Here we go, Las Vegas, at 12 noon Pacific time on this Monday, December 20th, 2021. Live from City National Arena and Studio 31, this is nighttime at noon. Hello again, everybody. I'm Dan Duva with the Sheriff Shane Knighty. We wish you season's greetings and welcome to yet another edition of Nighttime at Noon. We have made it back from Eastern <laughs> Time. And thank goodness the jet lag works the other direction because I have not yet adjusted to Pacific Time, Shane. I was up at like 5.30 this morning. <laughs> well, and, and that's the way it is. It's kind of remarkable, and I know we're going to get to it all, but, you know, you think about it, how tired we feel. Four games, six nights, three in the last four. We're tired. Right. And the players, what they're able to accomplish and fight through a real impressive trip. They have won five straight, including all four on the road trip, including the last two in shootout fashion. And it was uh, a wild finish to the way it went against the Islanders. Robin Leonard's return to Long Island, brand new arena, UBS Arena. The Islanders, of course, had struggled a little bit. They had started to figure things out a bit, but the Knights actually win consecutive shootouts against the Rangers and then the Islanders to finish out the road trip. And they find themselves now at a season high nine games over 500 they've got 20 wins against only 11 losses and there's only one team in the entire nhl with more victories than have the golden knights that's the carolina hurricanes vegas comes into the day number one in the pacific division number two in the western conference and you get into the tiebreakers points points percentage goals but wow this is going into the the holiday break with two games to go here this is the, the highest point that the Knights have had all season. And, you know, a lot of that is, you know, product of getting healthy, uh, although they were out without their captain, Mark Stone, last game. And I think, you know, when you inject that amount of talent and personnel back in the lineup, uh, you know, there, there's an instant jolt to the team. There's an energy boost. Uh, but it's it, it speaks to what Pete DeBoer talked about. You get those veteran guys in, and all of a sudden the structure and the process he talked about staying on it is there and when you you play the right way and then you have that amount of talent and skill uh because they've been able to score a ton of goals it's remarkable it's 45 goals over the last 10 games um, they have basically uh, double the number of goals that the new york islanders yeah. had going into the game the other day knights are well over 100 and, and new york is still below 60. yeah the the, the, the islanders have their own struggles we yeah. don't need to worry about <laughs> it they did find some offense late made that game very exciting i thought i liked the way the golden knights played that islanders game i thought it might have been one of their more complete along with boston uh the two games in the middle they found ways to win well they found ways to win basically those last three games you know, New Jersey fought back. They stuck with it. Uh, the Rangers, they were down one. This one, they were down. So it, it's it's impressive, and it does a lot for a team because in a long season, 82 games, all your wins are not going to look the same. Uh, you know, they took advantage of, you know, unfortunately Boston without their leading scorer, Marchand, Islanders without Barzell, Rangers without Panarin. So that's it. But, hey, it's not a league of excuses, but you got to take advantage of those, and they were able to. Right. Nobody was making excuses when the Golden Knights were without Pacioretty, <laughs> without Stone, without Carlson. And what do you know, uh, with those guys having come back, Stone and Pacioretty had those incredible scoring streaks. I mean, some of the best runs, not only in Golden Knights franchise yeah. history, but in the impressive careers of Pacioretty and Stone. That was uh, a, a big impetus at the beginning of this current run with the Knights having won seven out of eight. But – the last couple of games, yes. there have been some other guys stepping in, Shane. And it's good. I believe it was, uh, it was after that Boston game that Jonathan Marshall talked about. The next day, they're 
little bit of competitive. Right? It's great to see those guys. They're happy. They're scoring. But, you know, that line with Carlson and Smith felt they, they needed to get going. You know, Carlson had the goal against New Jersey, and Jonathan Marceau continues to roll along. And then the depth guys, as you said, uh, you know, the fourth line played really well for them uh, against the Rangers. Brett Howden had a goal and assist. Carey had the game against, uh, goal against the Devils. So you're seeing those guys step up. And then Nick Waugh wins it in a shootout. Like, uh, just important contributions from everybody and the depth of the team really showing up when that top line, as good as they'd been, all of a sudden it got a little bit dry uh, with Stone. It wasn't going to go all year long. This is We're not doing seeing a Wayne Gretzky streak again. Of <laughs> was it 51 games? Uh, nine games is impressive. And, you know, at some point uh, you needed to find offense elsewhere. They continue to get it from the blue line, Dylan Coughlin, uh, you know, Shea Theodore. It, it's just been uh, impressive. And that's what good teams are built with. Good teams are built when you get contributions up and down the lineup and you win different ways. Let's talk about the scoring by defense and mention Dylan Coughlin. And there's been a little bit of a battle there with Dylan Coughlin in, Ben Hutton in, Shea Theodore missed a game. He was under the weather. Uh, Coughlin goes in and wants to show the coaching staff, yeah. hey, I, I should stay in here. What does he do? He puts up three points in a yeah. couple of games, including goals in consecutive games. What have you seen from Dylan Coughlin? Well, I think for him it's confidence. He's still a young defenseman in the National Hockey League, and, and you're still learning the game, what you can do and how he best you know, uses his tools that are going to give him success. He's an offensive guy. He always has been. He's worked on the defensive part of his game. I think he's a great skater. He's in terrific condition. And for him, when you're young, and it's been he's talked about it, it's the mental side of it, right? When you're in and out of the lineup, the ability to, to build that mental toughness, to prepare yourself, those games you're not in, you, you can't pout, you can't do anything. You've got to do everything you can to make sure you're prepared that when you do get the call that you can come in and be impactful in whatever way possible. And I think he was able to do that. He got the opportunity. It's a, it's anything in life and in sport is opportunity. When you get a chance, you got to make the most of it. And that's how you stay and become a full-time professional athlete, hockey player, and, and it was a huge goal for him. And then you could tell more confidence. And it, it continues to build as he stays in the games. The challenge is, though, as they get healthy, there, there's still a guy named Alec Martinez we haven't talked about that, you know, arguably their best all-around D-man last year. This year, I think, I, you know, Alex Petrangelo is just, he is elite. He's been terrific. Um, but confidence is such a big factor. Shea Theodore, finally, it was nice to see him score a power play goal in regular season, yeah, Dan. It had been since March of 2020, the last time he scored a regular season power play goal. We're talking over 100 games played without a regular season power play goal. We add that caveat of regular season because he did have yeah. a few during the playoff run last year yeah. but y you throw in that along with his five power play assists the two goals the other night and it seems to me like I don't want to downplay the offensive prowess of Golden Knights teams past because yeah. there have been big contributions but pick your your number here uh, Vegas has the second most goals by defensemen in the NHL percentage of points from defensemen yeah. Golden Knights are fourth you're right there, yeah. uh, and, and we mentioned they've been without some guys. I don't know that Shea has really hit his offensive stride. Maybe you're starting to see that. You throw Petrangelo into the mix here, but even Zach Whitecloud well, has five, five goals. goals. And, and Nick Haig has offensive instincts. Uh, you know, Dylan Coughlin. Uh, you know, Braden McNabb's chipped in, but he's more of that guy. He's going to be a defensive shutdown type of role, and, uh, you know, Martinez can certainly add to it. Yeah, and it's impressive. They're second in the league, and only to Colorado. Right. And to be fair, Kale McCarr, was he at 13 goals already this yeah, year? Yeah, that's the reason why, they're, that's number the reason why yeah. they're number one. They've uh, got 28 goals from defensemen. Yeah. Vegas has 24. Yeah. So um, 
but I think in a league now, and you kind of, I've seen it, you know, if I've seen it grow from playing to now, just how offensive the blue line needs to be if you want to be a successful team. You're seeing, see the, you know, even the, the makeup of a blue liner. It used to be a big, heavy shutdown. You're a Jersey fan, the, the, the Scott Stevens, the Ken Danicos. Now you're seeing more of the Scott Niedermeyers. You're seeing, you know, you've got these young defensemen, Shea Theodore, Kale McCarr. We saw Adam Fox in New York, who's a tremendous young player. Lindley Quinn too. Hughes, Miro Haskin. It goes on and on that you've got to play in this league. You've got to be mobile. You've got to have the ability to move the puck, to skate the puck out of your own end, and then jump into the rush. And it's encouraged by coaches now. Coaches want that second wave of attack. They want their defensemen to be active up in the rush, to join the play, to try and find those open seams. It's not as stagnant. Stay out at the blue line. No, you, there, there's not only off the rush, it's, you know, in zone, offensive zone. There's lots of movement now. There, there's switches. You're trying to find separation because, you know, the league got so defensive and they shut down that area in front. You try to open up space and the more movement and you need blue liners, defensemen, to be able to do it. I was interested to hear Ryan McGill talking about that point with reference to Alex Petrangelo because, yeah. you know, Gary asked the question of Ryan McGill, uh, you know, Petrangelo, you put him in the top five defensemen in the National Hockey League. Gary couldn't even finish the sentence. And Ryan McGill says top two. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then talks about how it's not just a matter of what, what Ryan's producing. Um, and sometimes it, maybe a, a, a fan might look at Alex and say he's doing too much. He's getting down low too often. And, and Ryan says that's not the case at all. That's what they want him to do. That's what he wants to do because he's also so responsible. And, you know, I, uh, so many times they say it, it is a read and react sport. It's not, you know, it's not like football where you're running set plays or whatever. You've got to read and react out there. And his anticipation is world class. Uh, you know, you look when if his partner has a shot, he his ability to creep down and the puck always finds him. Mm -hmm. he, he's always in position for the puck. And I, you know, that's what just makes him elite, uh, you know, one of top five, top two. And, you know. Ryan McGill is the guy who coaches and runs the blue line. Uh, he sees it firsthand day in, day out. And maybe the best uh, you know, answer he gave on the end of that question we asked uh, when Gary asked it was he said the thing that really separates him as well is he can play. You, you name the style of game you want him to play, he can adjust and play. If you want to be physical, he has that in the bag. If you want to play an offensive you know, rush game can do that. If he needs to shut it down and be defensive, you know, just any piece, whatever style of game you want to play, he has the ability to play it. Can you put your finger on it, Shane, how Alex is different right now as to uh, compare it to where he was, let's say, 20, 30 games into last season oh, in his first year? With he's comfortable. comfortable. He, he understands the system. And, you know, I think we saw that. When, when a player and a, and a top player, elite player, is with one organization their whole career, and now you switch. And, um, you know, there, there gets a point where you want to get comfortable, not only for yourself, for your family. Um, you know, there, there's that element, too, the human element that, you know, maybe doesn't get talked to make sure, you know, it's your wife, whether it's your kids, everybody's set up. They feel comfortable now in a new place because it's a big transition to move, especially when you've been in one place so long. And then it's new systems, it's new guys, it's new terminology, uh, it's new teammates um, that you adjust to. And I think we saw Alex Petrano, he was still terrific last year, but, you know, this year just, it's, and the same thing, Max Pacioretty. Think of his first year here after being in Montreal his whole career, you know, when he scored 22 goals, and all of a sudden he's back up to the 30 goal yeah. mark. Um, you know, once all those elements came into play. And having a terrific run that did come to an end, 
but you know he had points <laughs> in nine out of the ten NHL games that he had played this year, and the only one he didn't was the game in which he was injured back on October 14th. An incredible run for those guys. And then the last couple of games without Pacioretty and Stone uh, continuing those streaks as we talked about other guys stepping up. You're listening to Nighttime at Noon here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We've got plenty more to talk about. A uh, first quick look at the schedule for today. Uh, you have one game that has uh, still been <laughs> left on the board. There have been four others that have been postponed. We thought that it might be Alex Tuck's Buffalo Sabres debut today, but that game against the Columbus Blue Jackets has been postponed. Montreal and the Islanders postponed. That's part of the cross-border situation. The NHL has said no cross-border games for the time being. Colorado at Detroit has been postponed. The Ducks and Oilers postponed. Again, another cross-border situation. The one game that will be played is the conference-leading Minnesota Wild against the Dallas Stars. So those are the games that were scheduled for today. And as of now, just the one is left on the schedule. Knights play tomorrow against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Currently, there are no COVID issues with either the Golden Knights or the Lightning. Obviously, the reason for a number of these postponements is the COVID situation, the border situation, and so on. We can touch on that shortly. When we come back, we're going to touch on Robin Leonard and his return to Long Island, not only going back there for the first time, the hockey side of it, the personal side of it. We'll hear from Robin Leonard when we come back. First, let us tell you about the spectacular Hotel Californian in Santa Barbara. Well, it's the newest exciting addition to the Foley Entertainment Group. Experience an extraordinary stay in one of 121 luxury guest rooms and suites. Taste the region's finest wine in the Foley Food and Wine Society tasting room. And treat yourself to unparalleled massage at Majorelle, the Moroccan-inspired spa. All in the heart of the American Riviera, designed for domestic and international guests alike. Hotel California is the perfect destination for any traveler seeking a one-of-a-kind luxury experience. Hotel California is Santa Barbara's premier urban destination. Visit HotelCalifornian.com to book your stay today. With Shane Knighty, I'm Dan Duva. It is 12-14 Pacific Time on Monday the 20th. You're listening to Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
Well, how about that? Nicholas Waugh with the shootout goal against the Islanders yesterday, making a winner out of Robin Leonard. Welcome back to nighttime at noon at City National Arena in Summerlin, Studio 31. With Shane Knighty, I'm Dan Duva. Thanks for joining us. Two shootouts in a row. And <laughs> the Knights, uh, you know, th they have one win in overtime this year, Shane. And now a few wins in shootouts. And I I'm not sure if I would have picked Nick Waugh as the most impressive shootout performer this year. But he is unequivocally. Uh, and what a move that last one, and I just said to you off air, I said it kind of looked like Panarin, Kane, Patrick Kane, Claude Giroux, guys that have been around the league doing it a long time. And uh, that last move, what impressed me most was, you know, he usually goes to the backhand, but he cut back to the forehand, and he put that upstairs. In tight, the ability to elevate the puck, you have to get over the pad. Goalies are so good at going post to post with their, their legs, and it's not as <laughs> – he made it look really easy. It's – uh, it'd be difficult to do, but, uh, yeah, just a, a great move by him. Shea Theodore had one earlier. And then Robin Leonard, who struggled with uh, shootouts previously in his career, and I know he has worked at it. Mike Rosati, this goaltender coach, is, they've done a lot, just getting his timing and patience. Um, and he's won a couple now this year. So, hey, it's all you look at is the win column. It doesn't, doesn't tell you how. It, it's a win's a win. Indeed. You talk about the practice that Robin has done with Mike Rosati. And it was also fun to see Mike Rosati dressed as a goalie for <laughs> a couple of morning skates on this trip in New Jersey. We're looking around. Who's the backup goal? Oh, my goodness. That's Mike yeah. Rosati. We saw Darren Millard. Anybody can do it <laughs> if they get him. They got Millard for one practice. You can put anybody out there. It might be you or me next oh, time. Oh, no. That would be ugly. But at some point uh, earlier on this season, Robin was uh, spending time during a practice yeah. with Mike Rosati. And they had grouped together nine skaters to do three yeah. rounds of shootouts. They, they didn't have so much a competition, but between each round of nine players, Mike Rosati went over and talked to Robin Leonard and worked on this, worked on that, and then the next group of nine went. But of the players who caught my eye, Nick Waugh was top of the list. Oh, and would have caught Pete DeBoer's eye as well. That's why he selects him to go in. And, uh, yeah, some guys just have a knack for it. He, he's a big, tall guy. He's got a long reach and, uh, you know, Obviously, got confidence to go in and pull off those moves. So, uh, you know, good for him. And it's it's not always the guys you think that'll be going in a shootout. And I think it's good. Sometimes a lesser known. And the thing is, you usually have scouting packs on both sides. Goalies will be familiar with uh, the players, the shooters. The shooters are familiar with the goalies. Uh, well, Nick Waugh wouldn't have as much of a resume for the Islanders to look at for a shootout to, to, to present to their goaltender, which would have been Sorokin and uh, – you know, Shea Theodore, we've seen that move from him a few times, I'm sure. But still, there, there's always, uh, you know, I'm not one that went in shootouts. I did it twice in the old internet, the IHL. And I it's go in and shoot. I didn't want, if I stick in, I was going to lose the puck. So I just made sure you get a shot on goal at least. One for two, though, Dan. One for two. One for two. That was my uh, next question. But, uh, yeah, guys, uh, and, and it's a skill you got to work on. It, it's an important piece of, uh, of the regular season that you want to get wins, you want to get points. And just like three on three, we've seen it kind of just, you know, take different strides. When they first started, it was run and gun. Now it's you want to have puck possession. You see guys, they'll throw it back to the goalie. They'll take it back for a change because you're trying to look for that one odd. You're trying to set up an odd man rush, a grade A opportunity. And if you miss on that, it usually leads to one the other way. Um, so uh, both are big parts of the game now in regular season, both three on three overtime and shootouts, and it's something teams practice. Robin Leonard, who 
in his Golden Knights career has a winning record in the shootout now. He's 3-2 yeah. and two in the shootout since coming to the Knights, and notably, it's been three wins in a row, including a couple this year for Robin, and did not give up any goals in the shootout against the Islanders the other day. Uh, Lauren Brossois had the shootout victory against the Rangers a couple of days before that. But let's talk about Robin Leonard here, Shane. Yeah. But let's set the scene here as you go to Long Island. It's the first time that the Knights have been there in the Robin Leonard era. Robin spent one year with the Islanders organization, won the Jennings, first of two Jennings trophies in his career, and uh, a great run, but it was just the one season there, the 18-19 season. But this was a point in his life, not only his hockey career, but a challenging point in his life, and it has meant so much to him how the community there supported him that he had the map of Long Island tattooed below yeah. his left ear. He's got other tattoos, but it seems <laughs> to me if you're going to take that step, it puts into context what Long Island and the Islanders family meant to him in getting not only his career back on track, but his life back on track. It, it was more than a hockey season and way more impactful than just one year. It was, it was a turning point in his life personally and professionally and the fans from you hear him speak about it they're the ones that really pushed him through a very difficult time and uh you know he was very excited to get back there uh to play it'd been a longer than probably he would have liked to to get back to the island but uh, certainly an emotional day for him and pete even had some interesting he said it's tougher for a goalie to play an emotional game because goalies you want to be calm cool kind of let things go when you're a player you can feed off that excitement that emotion that adrenaline a little bit more so uh you know for robin special day his attachment with uh, the new york islander fans as you said resurrected his career changed his life put him on a real good path and he's become a very important voice you know and for mental health you know not only across the league but across across everywhere um and he reaches out to everybody it, it's it's important to him it's uh this was more than just a hockey game for him um and uh, it was nice that they were able to get the win and so much reverence that he decided to buzz his beard as Lou that's Lamarello right yeah not a fan of i wouldn't have, i wouldn't have lasted under lou i don't <laughs> think the last time i was clean shit i can't even remember so robin sent out a tweet before the game showing uh the empty sink uh other than the hair that he had buzzed off of his face so that takes place there's a terrific ovation for robin when he comes out for warm-ups first media stoppage a video tribute great reaction from the islanders fans at one point during the video tribute they showed a close-up of robin standing mm -hmm. by the vegas bench he points to that tattoo of long island on the side of his neck emotional moment here's robin speaking about that return to long island in cut one I'm not hearing the clip, no, Shane. Are no, I, I can't hear. Maybe we've got a little technical difficulties here getting this played. Uh, well, someone let me know if we've got cut one ready, and yeah. we'll, we'll try to get back to it. But, again, as Robin has yeah. uh, said before, he repeated some of those comments afterwards. And uh, to talk about that ovation that he received and how special it was to have that as he made his return to Long Island and getting the win, too. Listen. Yeah. 
I'm sure that it would have been just as meaningful emotionally even if he had not come up with the win, but to walk out of that building with two points. And Jonathan Marcheseau said it on our radio broadcast that the guys know the situation. Oh, absolutely. And they went above and beyond to try to get that win for Robin uh, to the degree that they came back to, to force the shootout. There were a couple of times it looked like the Knights <laughs> had fallen behind and they well, uh, yeah, know, came back. Yeah, but thought they fell behind. Yeah. Uh, well, the second goal, you know, you could tell by Robin Leonard's reaction, not happy. He's kind of a bit of a screenshot through Petrangelo, the Bellows goal. And then, you know, think Cal Clutterbuck scores, but then they're saved by the offside. But it didn't take less than a minute later. And then Pajot goes ahead again. But uh, And, you know, that's what makes good teams when you have guys willing to step up, understanding that this, this was an important one for their goaltender and uh, go to six on five and able to find a way to tie it up and then, Robin Leonard was terrific in overtime. I think shots were 7-1 for the Islanders. Vegas, you could tell that was game four in six nights. Uh, the legs did not look fresh uh, in the overtime, especially with just, uh, you know, in three-on-three three where you've got to have a lot of energy, got to have a lot of jump. And Leonard came up with some great saves there. And then in o the shootout, as uh, he got a couple of goals from Theodore and Waz, we talked about earlier, just a real good team win and uh, an end to a terrific road trip. Uh, just winning different ways throughout it, finding ways to get it done. And, you know, certainly not only that, then we've talked about the COVID and the team shutting down. All that's buzzing around, too. So to maintain focus and, you know, worry about the task at hand right now with everything swirling around the league. Uh, guys would have been on calls with the NHLPA uh, throughout all this saying, okay, where are we at? What's going on? Are we going to play? Um, so, but when you get on the ice, I think that's uh, kind of relief for everybody. That's where you just you have that singular focus. Last thing I want to talk about with regard to goaltending, Shane, would be how Pete DeBoer has utilized Robin Leonard and Loren Brossois. We thought for sure that it would be Brossois going against the Devils on Thursday and then Leonard against the Rangers on Friday. But clearly the design worked because they won all four games. Uh, Leonard, of course, in Boston, then Brossois, uh, or I should say uh, Leonard uh, with the Devils, then Brossois with the Rangers, and then back to Leonard for the Islanders in the last game of the four. Yeah. It, <laughs> when I got into broadcasting, I figured out really early that I was going to stop guessing who was starting or <laughs> how, a, how, how a coach is, is going to roll as goaltenders. Uh, I've never been asked, uh, neither of you, of no. what they should do, no. and I don't think we ever will, but Pete DeBoer certainly uh, – you know, they have a plan in place, him and probably Mike Rosati talk uh, about how they want to, you know, rotate the goalies in and out, which games look best. They have analytics. They have everything that they take into account. Uh, and for whatever reason, this worked out. Four wins. You can't argue with uh, the way they've been able to uh, play both of them. Leonard, we thought we'd seen Brossois in some more games, and I think we may here as they go forward. Uh, you know, schedule's busy. They still have two here before the Christmas break. That's right. Tampa Bay coming up tomorrow. And then a couple of days after that, on the 23rd, it's the Los Angeles Kings. And then it will be the Christmas break. Knights return after Christmas to play the Colorado Avalanche on the 27th. And then down in Los Angeles on the 28th. And then begins a six-game homestand. So you add it all up. That's nine out of the next ten games will be at T-Mobile Arena. And if the Knights haven't already taken advantage of the way they've been playing recently, as we talk about they're at a season best, nine games over 500, with all the home games upcoming, all the more reason to really try to pad the lead that they have. 
again, currently by the slimmest of margins, by tiebreaker number one yeah. in the Pacific Division. Well, and this is where you need to take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, home ice, we know how electric the Fortress can be and, you know, how they feed off that energy of the crowd, and they're going to need it here. This is a great chance, as you just mentioned. They, you want to try and bank points. You want to try and create separation with those teams under you, and this is going to be a great opportunity for them to do it with all those games at home and, you know, continue. Hopefully health stays there for them and or they can get even healthier. As we know, there's a certain player that it, it seems so far away when they traded for Jack Eichel, but all of a sudden, boom, we're almost here at the end of December. And, ooh, it's, it's starting to become a reality getting closer and closer. Right. Before you blink, it's going to be yeah. a, a countdown of weeks rather than months, and then after that it's going to be days. We're going to see him practice at some point with the team, and that's not that far, far off. So, Lightning coming up tomorrow, and then on the 23rd, it's the L.A. Kings, both games here at T-Mobile Arena for the Golden Knights. Again, they have won their last five, including four in a row. When we come back, we've been talking about home cooking on the horizon, but in our world, traveling for the holidays and traveling for hockey often creates a confluence of challenges. And we'll go into the story archives here with all the traveling that Shane has done through the years, uh, what this time of year has presented. That's all coming up. You're listening to Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
that was the dangerous moment that turned out not to be for the Islanders. Shame when that third period started, it looked like maybe the Knights were going to take a victory for the first time, scoring fewer than three goals yes. all year out of their 20 wins. None of them have come with scoring fewer than three <laughs> goals. But they were ahead 2-1. to one. They were, and, and in control, really. I, I liked the way they were playing in that game. I thought the Islanders, uh, much like Vegas, maybe against New Jersey, was opportunistic. They took advantage of a couple of breakdown turnovers. But for the most part, uh, I, Vegas, I thought, was really good on their forecheck. I thought puck decisions were where they needed to be against the Islanders. I thought it was a consistent effort, uh, you know, in, in a tough situation, being the last game of the road trip, uh, an early start uh, ha after just playing back-to-back, -back basically Thursday, Friday. Saturday off, but that not even a whole, like you're playing at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, I was impressed with the way they were playing, but, uh, you know, credit to the Islanders. They got a little bit of momentum. They got a little bit of jump, uh, took advantage of it, but Vegas was able to answer back. Right, and the clip that you just heard was a goal that got, didn't count. No, it got offside. Offside, so that didn't happen. That would have tied it 2-2. Shortly thereafter, Kiefer Bellows did score, and it did count. That made it an actual 2-2 tie. And then John Gabriel Pajot made it a 3-2 New York lead. Uh, when you think about Shea Theodore's performance, Shea had his fifth and sixth of the year, then the shootout goal, and obviously that last one with yeah. a minute to go. Basically so a hat trick. It, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a, a Does, doesn't count like that. Shea. So that's the clip that you heard a moment ago. The Knights victorious, and now they have won their last five, four consecutive road wins, both season highs, and they're home against the Lightning tomorrow. And only two teams have better records than have the Golden Knights since Vegas's one and four start, and that fourth loss was against the Islanders, two nothing, October 24th. Those teams would be Tampa Bay mm. and Toronto, and it's the Tampa Bay Lightning coming to town for the game tomorrow. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about the Henderson Silver Knights, and if you need more hockey, well, we've got it over in Henderson, <laughs> and for the time being over at the Orleans. Make sure to check out the newest team in town, the Henderson Silver Knights of the American Hockey League. We'll talk about the American Hockey League here in just a moment with some, some story time. They've got single game group and mini suite tickets for home games during the 21-22 season. Those are on sale now, and you can contact the Henderson Silver Knights ticketing team. The phone number is 702-645-4259. Again, the number is 702-645-4259. The website is hendersonsilvernights.com. Great holiday gift. Go check out some American Hockey League action. See the Golden Knights of tomorrow shining today with the Henderson Silver Knights. Again, the website, of course, hendersonsilvernights.com. Well, Shane, uh, maybe it's a little bit easier at the NHL level to get from city to city. They take good care of the Golden Knights <laughs> and the Golden Knights broadcasters, may I add. The planes, the hotels, uh, Rick Bronstein, the team services, he is on top of everything. There's yeah. not too much that we want no. for. But it wasn't always that way. Uh, traveling in the minors is a challenge when you're getting called up from the minors to the NHL. That's a fun experience. But especially this time of year where travel is always a big part of it, the, the way that things go uh, this time of year. So I'm wondering, Shane, in, in your time, whether in the NHL, the minors, have you had any uh, – travel stories especially christmas travel stories the craziness that seems to come around every december yeah and well now it's a little different in the nhl because they get the 26th off they never used to yeah, be that way it used to be right. a lot of games on the 26th and you can't uh, travel no can't games. travel uh, so you'd only have basically the 24th 25th now it's the 24th 5th and 6th 
So that that changed. I can't remember what what bargaining agreement are we at now? Uh, I think it was a tw was it the 12 thir 13 somewhere 12, in there. 12 13 was yeah, the last work. Yeah. When they added a, an extra day to it. So um you know what? The, and I remember in the American Hockey there's a couple I spent alone. Uh just you know you're young but uh as they got older the, the one was when I played for the Minnesota Wild. So it's been the 09 10 season. Uh I flew back uh, to Canada for Christmas. We only had it was a short break and it was bad travel both ways. Um it, on the way there, so I'm flying just from Minnesota to Manitoba, which is a short flight to Winnipeg. But because of the snow, I got uh, rerouted to Fargo. <laughs> uh, Fargo. And Fargo. Like so now I'm in Fargo, and it's a three-and-a-half-hour drive home, and it is a blizzard. I go, <laughs> I rent. They don't have anything. <laughs> All I get is a rear-wheel drive Toyota Corolla or something like that. Not the not the best car to, to hammer through a snowstorm, but I'm Canadian. <laughs> I'm like I'm gonna do this. So I powered through. I was able to. It was it was a little bit white knuckled steering, but found my way. Got back. I remember we had an elevated driveway, and, and just to to speak of you know how fortunate I was, I couldn't even get up the driveway because snow. So, but I made it home. So it was great. Had had a great Christmas, but I had to get back. We played Boxing Day. Or I guess that's a Canadian term. Sorry, the twenty sixth. It shows play up on my play calendar. Play I remember I know. as a kid seeing boxing play day. Play the like, twenty sixth. Oh, see a boxing match. So I had to get back. We had a ten thirty a.m. skate in Minnesota. I ate my flight got on it. Of course, we get I get delayed. But I fly in. I land in Minnesota. I called my coach. I'm running late. I got to the arena. It was around ten twenty four. I remember looking at it. Or twen ten twenty five. I sprint into the room. And the coach was like, all right, get out there as soon as you can. Practice starts at 10.30. And if you're not on time, you're going to hear about it. Not so much from the coach, but from your buddy, teammates. Yeah, you're gonna, right, no. And it's probably going to cost you a very expensive lunch or dinner for being late. Um, I incredibly got dressed, and I made it on at 10.29. And I can't remember the seconds because they had the watch going. I jumped over the boards Five, onto the four, ice, and I got a standing three, stick tap two, from the boys. So five. it was uh, – that was uh, that was probably the most eventful wow. trip both ways at Christmas time for me. And then what happened in the game? And we won. Yeah, I told you that. Uh, St. Louis, I got, and and I scored that night. You on, scored uh, on, on, on a on a now other current analyst with the uh, the National Predators, Chris Mason. How about that? So, not that you would make a habit out of getting on nope. the ice with seconds to spare. No, well, That's it was morning skate. Then <laughs> I got to relax after that. Had my nap, got in regular routine, and kind of settled down. But it was. Uh, uh, I'm a very anxious person. I hate to be late. It's one of my pet peeves, and I get really – but I made it. Got through. I, I don't want to relive that again. Oh, no. Well, I'll, I'll give you a, sort of a redo. What do you got? Digest version of it. Actually, today is the anniversary, um, and I think it was 2015, so six years ago, American Hockey League. I'm doing the games for the Syracuse Crunch, and they're playing in Hershey against the Hershey Bears. And from Syracuse, New York, to Hershey, Pennsylvania, it's about four hours. And uh, it was the last game before the break. So the thinking is, after the game, uh, the team is going to take the bus back to Syracuse, and then everybody leaves. A lot of guys are going to drive through the night. I remember Matt Taramina, mm. NHL defenseman for a long time. He was with the team at the, at the time. He and his girlfriend, now wife, were going to get in the car if you get back to Syracuse, let's say, at 2 a.m. Yeah. They were going to get in the car and drive to Michigan through yeah. the night. Guys had early flights the next morning. So it's a big thing to get back. As yes. quick as you can. Important. On here the 20th of December in 20, I think, 15. And so, uh, as luck would have it, uh, 
this was close enough to home where my dad actually drove out to Hershey. So my dad's coming to the game. Now, this doesn't impact my travel whatsoever, but it factors into the story. Show up there at the rink in Hershey, and we're getting ready to do the game. It's holiday time, and Hershey has its Hall of Fame ceremony. And unbeknownst to me, the MC for this ceremony is Mike Emmerich, voice of hockey, who had lived in Hershey for many years. And uh, I didn't know this was happening until Doc tapped me on the shoulder yeah. outside the Crunch dressing room before the game. I said, Doc, what are you doing here? Yeah. And he explained what was going on. And at the same time, my dad is calling me because he's trying to figure out where to park. And I yeah. said, Doc, I'm so sorry I've got to run. I'll see you later. Let me introduce you to J.W. Aiken, who is another Bowling Green alum. And J.W. Aiken is now a Golden Knights equipment manager, but he was with us with the Syracuse Crunch yeah. as well. They had the Bowling Green connection, so I had them talk to each other, and off I went to find my dad. But I really didn't know if I'd yeah. see Doc again. Fast forward, pregame ceremony, Doc does a great job, start calling the game. Doc comes up to the booth. Door opens, Doc walks in, shakes hands with my dad, sits down, puts on the spare headset. Looks like we've got a guest in the booth. It's Mike Emmerich. Hi, Doc. And Doc did the whole first period of the broadcast. Oh, wow. And I remember thinking, well, you know, normally I think about consider the listener. Who's the person on the other end of the radio? And sometimes, I, well, what did Doc's tune in today? What would he want to know about the game? He said, Doc, have you ever seen a game with nine defensemen dressed? And he said, no, I don't think so. I said, well, you're seeing it today. Crunch had so many injuries and call-ups. There were nine defensemen. Luke Witkowski was skating as a forward yeah. in this game. And that comes in later in the story. Luke was having a great game. He had a couple shots, pounding mitts with the guys. Syracuse ends up losing. It's unfortunate. Get on the bus, we're going back to Syracuse. And halfway between Syracuse and Wilkes-Barre, uh, halfway between Hershey and Syracuse, the bus breaks down in Wilkes-Barre, yeah. side of the road. And this is going to throw off a lot of travel plans. One guy switched his flight, got a taxi to get to the <laughs> Wilkes-Barre airport so he could fly to Maine the next day, tried to get pizza delivered to the side of the highway. That didn't work. I plugged in my, my iPad to the speaker that's on the bus because everybody's kind of. Not in a good upset, mood. Right? Not yeah, you're good not in a good mood. And I, I punched in the Christmas channel, and I swear the first song that came on was Frank Sinatra, I'll Be Home for Christmas. <laughs> and everybody laughed. It kind of broke the tension. A new bus was arriving shortly thereafter. But I figured I, I needed to thank Mike Emmerich yeah. for this day. I had a great yeah. time calling the game with him. And so I'm painting the picture all all of this in an email, thanking him. We're yeah. on the bus. I'm telling him the whole story. And the next day, as fate would have it, I got back to New Jersey and had dinner at a restaurant on Frank Sinatra Boulevard. Okay, fast forward, months later, Luke Witkowski is up with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. It's the Stanley Cup final, and Luke tells me the story about how he goes into the Lightning dressing room. All the media is huddled around Steven Stamkos's locker. Want to talk to the captain, right? Yeah. There's one member of the media sitting at Luke Witkowski's stall. It's Mike Emmerich <laughs> wanting to ask Luke Witkowski about that night between Syracuse and Hershey. And uh, that's the story. That's a great story. <laughs> Six years ago today. There was a lot of panic for those guys. That's the shortest I've ever told that story for the record. <laughs> we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll tie up some loose ends. The story with the Olympics, what's the latest there? We'll get you ready for the Knights and the Tampa Bay Lightning, who uh, we just talked about, and their prospects. A lot of call-ups for that group as well. We'll be right back. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports. <laughs>
Well, thank goodness the Knights made that goal inconsequential. That was one that Vegas uh, was not happy to see go in because one had just been taken off the board. But as it turned out, the Islanders weren't done. They took a 3-2 lead, and then Shea Theodore tied it 3-3 before the Knights pulled out the shootout victory against the Islanders yesterday. Win for Robin Leonard, and Vegas has won five straight. They're 20-11 and 11 on the year, the second most wins in the National Hockey League. You're listening to Nighttime at Noon. It's 12.50 Pacific time, a few minutes left on the program. And as we get closer and closer to the Christmas holiday, don't forget to get your presents. You can get oh. exclusive Golden Knights gear. Visit one of the Vegas Golden Knights official team store locations, the Armory at T-Mobile Arena, the Arsenal at City National Arena, and the website VegasTeamStore.com, VegasTeamStore.com. They even have a Twitter handle for the, the merchandise. It's at VGK Gear, at VGK Gear. So pull up the Twitter, and you can find yourself uh, some cool Golden Knights stuff on there. I, I did some shopping. Oh, Dan. Before. I, you're stressing me out just talking about that. I'm going to be sprinting around the next three days. I'll tell you, exa- when we're done with the show, guess where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> Downstairs to the arsenal. Uh, yeah, don't forget. Uh, the cool thing is, they every time I seem to go through the arsenal. Something here, new. There's something new. It's incredible. The, the range of stuff is spectacular. So check it out. Obviously, the arsenal, the armory, and online VegasTeamStore.com. With Shane Knighty, I'm Dan Duva. Thanks for tuning in to Nighttime at Noon. Just a few minutes left here. Vegas with five consecutive wins. They'll try to make it six tomorrow against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I, I say that with the understanding that there are more games that have been postponed for tomorrow than games that are still left on the schedule. As of this moment. I think it's just our game. There, there are, at the moment, now this could have changed, but at the moment there are a total of three games that are still on the schedule. Arizona against Seattle up in Seattle is one obviously Vegas against Tampa is one and the other is Washington and Philadelphia but there are several other games that have been canceled or I shouldn't say canceled postponed Postponed. for tomorrow Uh, as of today there's one game uh, and five others have been postponed Washington Philadelphia is tomorrow but tonight it's Minnesota and Dallas again uh, tomorrow it's Vegas and Tampa so Shane the the question small picture here that these couple of days the NHL has clearly decided the smart thing to do here is to, to postpone these games. But the bigger picture, has this might relate to the upcoming Olympics in February? How does this all come together in your eyes? I just don't see how it happens. I, I don't see NHL players going to the Olympics. You just can't, especially now with all the postponements. You need a window to possibly make them up. Uh, I think the risk for the players to go over and the way the protocols are set, uh, you know, in a different country, they could be there for a long time. If, especially the way we're seeing cases come back to life here, or not come back, they've always been, but start to be on the rise again. Um, it's just too much of a risk for players to go over. And uh, I'm sure that the discussions are going on right now, votes, whatever needs to be done between the NHLPA and the NHL. Uh, the NHL has said this is up to the Players Association. This is their thing. Uh, so that, that means the players that the ones that uh, you know are going to go, and I think we're going to start to hear more and more guys, and they have to come with a decision because there's got there has to be planning put in place now with everything, all these postponements. When are these games going to happen? How do you put it into what was already a condensed schedule? Well, there's that three weeks uh, that they have wide open in February, but at the same time, a lot of buildings are booked. There's other events that have been planned. So uh, the schedule maker uh, who has been like that for the last two seasons. Uh, rearranging things will have another tough task here as they move forward and uh, 
I, my own opinion is I, I don't see NHL being involved with the Olympics. And then the question is, would there be substitute players yeah. available? I don't know where it goes from there. That they could. You know, the Spengler Cup in Canada has Canada withdrawn just, its yeah. participation. So and that's in the very short term, you know, that that's maybe still, you know, a month or so away, but it's becoming increasingly possible, not likely, but possible that hockey, forget NHL players, just hockey, hockey. period, might not be contested in the way we are accustomed to seeing it. Naturally, Canada is the perennial favorite, and if Canada is not participating, how that filters out. There's the whole political side of this and how Western countries have had a diplomatic boycott, but the NHL and the NHLPA are making decisions based on what's best for the players and for the league, separate from all of those political And And it's tough, right? It, it's tough for a player. This is not an easy decision. Uh, you know, Sidney Crosby is this maybe the last one he would play in, Patrice Bergeron, uh, you know, you know, Alex Ovechkin for Russia. There's some players that, you know, know that this is and, – and they want to compete for their country. They want to play at the Olympics. It, it, it's the stage they all play at. Um, but I don't know. I don't think the risk is worth the reward. And the question now becomes if there is a, an announcement, and we've heard possibility of an imminent announcement, whether it comes from the NHL, from the NHLPA, or if it's a joint announcement. In other words, the league has supported the players. You just said this, yeah. Shane. Uh, the players don't want to be the entity that puts the yeah. kibosh on this. The NHL doesn't want to be in a position to do that either because they have supported the players going. But at some point, it, if it compromises the schedule, uh, the health concerns, that was built into all of the negotiating. So you would hope that this can be an NHL-NHLPA joint announcement, which, again, is not definitely happening, but it seems imminent uh, without having any inside information based on the reports that we've heard and read and talking to other people who are plugged in, it seems that uh, an announcement could be coming as soon as today. That may not happen. It may be delayed. There might be some yeah. other considerations coming. Let's turn the page quickly, Shane. Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow. There have been some great games yeah. between Vegas and Tampa the last few years. And uh, the two-time Stanley Cup champs. I remember a certain game in year one right around this time of the year. Shea Theodore was the hero in that one. What was that? Two seconds left, uh, power play goal. But, yeah, it's very dangerous team. Uh, their captain, Steven Stamkos, you have dangerous players. you got to limit their opportunities. This is a team that's won back-to-back -back Stanley Cups for a reason. Uh, and just when, like, Vegas started the year, everybody thought maybe, uh, maybe they're tired. Nope, they're not tired. And they've been able to battle through injury and guys out of the lineup a lot like Vegas. I expect a really entertaining game tomorrow. No Nikita Kucherov. Maybe Braden Point comes back, but we're not quite sure about that. You can Riley wait one Nash. more game. Yeah, Riley Nash has come over yeah. from Winnipeg. We'll see about that. Thanks for tuning in today. Big thanks for joining us for Shane Knighty. Dan Duva saying good day from City National Arena.